This weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. You hear that, Taylor? Millions with an M. Wow. So if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is pretty easy to play. Uh, You just pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, pile up points or advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for for grabs throughout the week, which is, uh, yeah, don't forget about hockey. You're listening to a hockey podcast. Mm. So DraftKings is uh, safe, secure, and reliable. You deposit and withdraw funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, you happen to be joining us uh, from some sunshine right now. Is is that correct? Yep, I'm in an undisclosed location south of the Mason-Dixon line, and I uh, it's warmer here, and I'm going to come back looking like Elmo, it seems wow. like. More like a golden god. Well, I guess Elmo could be, I guess, considered a golden god, but... I'm happy that you are there getting to enjoy this beautiful weather that you're having down there because up here, while the weather might not be bad, things are pretty goddamn bad with the Sabres right now. And if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Monday was like July 1st, 2007, or the O'Reilly trade all over again. It was a goddamn nightmare, and it culminated today with Kevin Adams' press conference. But before we get to that, let's go back to Monday. Exit interviews for the Sabres, along with their end of the season interviews, as it was locker room clean out. This is our technically, I think, our first episode post end of the season. And uh, there were some fireworks, to say the least. Among those who spoke was Rasmus Ristolainen, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and Lena Solmark. The first three there between Ristolainen, Reinhart, and Eichel really raised a lot of eyebrows, got a lot of people talking. And I will be honest, this is the first time that I feel like I can confidently say this and have said this at all through all the speculation that we've experienced with Jack over the past two years or so. I do not think that come opening night next year, he will be a Buffalo Sabre. And I am, it it crushes me to say that, but the way that things played out on Monday, it really came down to just me, me and I'm, I'm, Maybe you, a lot of Sabres fans, really feeling resigned to the fact that he will not be here. So, Taylor, let's just jump right in. Takeaways from Monday. What do you got? Well, I'll start with Reinhardt. I think that's what I'm I'm very discouraged to see that he doesn't seem like he's going to be here either because that really is completely his choice. It's not a matter of forcing a trade or whatever. It's a matter of him, if he doesn't talk, want to talk long-term contract, then you probably have to trade him this offseason just because – he'll be a UFA next summer and one year of him, unfortunately as good as he is and as good as he's been, isn't worth it. It's very, I'm very sad to see him go, but I, I'm almost resigned to that now too. Now with Eichel, that is 
again, very frustrating, but a lot of stuff I didn't really expect. I thought maybe he was just frustrated with losing or whatever else, all the bad things that have gone wrong in the past six years. But the neck injury stuff is really concerning. And I, I we had this whole time, I had no idea how serious a neck injury is. Serious enough to keep him out for months. But I don't really know what to make of this. In general, when it comes down to these situations, I side with players doing what they want. And now, again, there's no, you know, at that, by that same token, there's no reason the team shouldn't also try to do what they want. But usually I, I kind of side with the players because the player kind of is doing, it's, the, it's literally their body. <laughs> I mean, the team can say they don't want to pay for something like that. And maybe there's more to it than we're seeing, but I think you'd probably kind of agree with that, right? Just in, in that specific instance. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely not black and white because we're talking about a neck injury. This isn't like a hamstring or something like that, or like a, some kind of other like upper body injury, whatever, you know, we're talking about the neck. And I think what makes me not on, I mean, I would say maybe to an extent understand the Sabres concern is that the procedure we're talking about has never been done on a professional hockey player before the one that Jack wants to get. Now the recovery time for this procedure, I believe is around as, as like a couple months. So it's not like it's that long of a recovery time. And if he were to get it now, it wouldn't be, you know, uh, the sort of thing where he would maybe be in question for training camp, as far as we know. But the other reason why, on top of the unknown of just like this neck procedure, again, that no hockey league player, like national hockey league players have gotten before. So we really don't have anything to base it off of because there's been, I had saw somebody earlier reference that there have been a couple of MMA fighters who have gotten this surgery done before, but those are two completely different sports. And the way that your body, the way that you use your body in those sports, I think is very different. Um, the other thing that definitely makes me, I think understand a little bit more on the Sabres side, not saying I'm, you know, more than with Jack's side of things, but there seemingly according to Kevin Adams today in his press conference has been a plan in place that I think there was going to be a 12 week window where they were going to try out rehab and see how it goes. And at the end of that window, which I believe would bring us into like mid June, then a determination would be made because the my understanding of where the savers are coming from is like avoiding surgery at all costs, especially when it comes to the neck and a surgery that is unknown would be the preferred outcome if it's possible for him to heal and get back to 100%. So I get that. I get that you're worried and I get the unknown there. I think also the, the team doctors have said that they don't recommend it. I'm pretty sure Jack's second opinion also said that they wouldn't recommend it, but then he went, I think he got another one, if I'm not mistaken. And that's where, I think it kind of got in his head a bit with, with wanting to do this. A couple of things on this. One, the team doctors, I completely, 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 anybody who's going to say, well, why should we trust them given the amount of setbacks and injury issues that the Sabres have had over the past couple of years? You will not find me trying to give any resistance to that because it's the truth. There has been countless instances where there's these like uh, – shady reporting of how injuries are on this team and the treatment, as I had said, and then setbacks as well. You know, I think a lot of stuff with, I mean, I just look at like Kyle Opozo as kind of like a perfect example of this, but beyond that, I think that there is no way to downplay that this injury is obviously very serious again, because we're talking about, you know, our star players neck. What I will say though, 
and I've, I've seen other people point this out and it's the thing that I immediately thought of is that this was an opportunity for Jack to gain some leverage. I mean, he had a lot, of, he had leverage as it is. He's the star of the team. He's the franchise. He's, he's the captain, but given his situation, there isn't a whole lot of leverage. Now you're starting to see namely in the NBA, things like this come up where, where players are, even if they may be under contract, they are able to force their way out of a situation that they don't want to be in. The NBA is a completely different ball game in every way when it comes to this, especially compared to the NHL. And, you know, maybe the earliest thing that we've seen of something like this is like Pierre-Luc Dubois um, in Columbus, but that's that, that too, even is a completely different situation. So part of me also thinks, wow, this is very real. This is something that Jack, if he does want to get out of here, Maybe he's trying to do it without outwardly saying, I requested a trade or I, I don't want to be here. And this is his way of doing it, of, of kind of pitting himself against the organization in this way, because I didn't love what Adams had to say today, to be honest. And we can get into that when we get there. But after hearing him speak, I understand both sides because you're right. At the end of the day, as you had said before, it's Jack's body. And, he, you know, he absolutely, you know, should be able to to make that decision. I do understand some of the Sabres concerns and where they're coming from, but I think more than anything, if Jack was looking for an out, this is his way right here, because it's one thing if you're talking about the direction of the franchise and the vision of the franchise, that's something that as you get new people involved, the new people in the organization and on board, maybe you could craft that and you could kind of help guide yourself there. But when it comes to not only like an injury, but the best course of action for dealing said injury and let alone something that is such a serious body part, such as the neck. If he wants to use that as his ticket of getting out of here and, and, you know, saying they, yeah, this is where they left me and I, this is irredeemable and irreparable, you know, it, it, it kind of feels like it's trending towards that. And I would say, I believe that not just because I'm trying to like follow some smoke, but like look no further than his own comments. He had said probably four or five times in that press conference, wherever I end here, or wherever I end up playing next year. And I'm sorry, but if you are the captain of a franchise, you are the face of the franchise, the star player, the heart, like you don't say that. And I don't say that to be one of those people to be like, oh, he's got a shitty attitude, blah, blah, blah. These people who are, who have been saying that about Jack for years, but I'm saying this from the perspective of like, this guy is your captain. And I understand you are frustrated. I understand every single ounce of frustration that that dude has to have towards the organization, towards the Pagulas, probably towards whoever. But if you are the face of the team and you are the leader of this team and the team captain and you want to be here, you don't go into that press conference pretty much dropping bombs like he did and saying things like, well, wherever I end up playing next year. I'm not saying you can't voice your frustration, but you don't say that if you're actually committed to being here. And that leaves me to believe he's gone. Like it's over. Like I, I before Monday, I still would have said you're crazy. If you think that they would, they would actually trade him. And now it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. Yep. Uh, if he really, really, really wants out, it, I don't, I, I don't want to really create some untenable situation where he's here and he hates it here and he's the captain and obviously the best player. It's just tough. Like it's easy to forget because this wasn't a great year while he was hurt all year and he's been out for a little while that he was like as good as anyone in the NHL last year. Oh yeah. Like 
he could he could come back next year and let's say he wanted to be here. He could come back and score 45 goals and have 110 points. He could do that. He could do that while being very good in his own end. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the most likely outcome, but shit, I mean, like if he played a full season, there's no reason to expect he couldn't get to 100 easily. And then also, like I said, be very good in his own end. And while also being the captain, like it's not an easy guy to give up on. No, he played near a point per game pace this season with like four different injuries he was dealing with. While shooting 2%. Right. And while putting up like sulky level defensive uh, underlines, mm-hmm. like it's, it's just such a tough thing to give up. And I, and I understand people are like, well, what has it gotten us that he's been here? And that's true. Yeah. And it says a lot about the era, but that's, you're losing him. You're losing the guy that's been almost a point of game player since he was 18 when he got here. You're not losing the structure that made it so that he has played more than 300 games without playing a playoff game. The other thing I want to touch on, though, is I didn't I didn't watch the Kevin Adams presser because, you know, it's a vacation. I don't hate myself that much. But I did see him say that he had to deal with the guys who want to be here. And it's like, you are dealing with guys who have to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, there aren't a whole lot of guys that want to be here. Uh, I, I sincerely doubt there are almost, almost anyone because that, that actually kind of brings us to the third guy who put up a, like, a trade me vibes during the locker room clean out, which is, I can't believe you Rasmus or Salinen. Are you fucking kidding me? We're dealing with all this other shit. We, the Jack situation escalates. The Sam situation clarifies both in very negative ways. And then we got to deal with your shit. Yeah. Of course you want out of here. I want you out of here. Don't tell me with a good time. Yeah. Kevin, get working on that one. Seriously. He needs to be the first one out the door. I'd rather cut him than watch him play 25 minutes a game again. Obviously there's a better third solution where they trade him for something. A value but god that that would be man it would just be so annoying to me that we lose sam and eichel in the same year that finally they can be cut loose from this anchor but if i had to guess i would say none of them will, one or none of them will be sabers at the beginning of next year probably erasmus because we live in hell but none of them will be sabers by the end of next season yeah. and i mean the very least i guess you're starting fresh i don't really want to think about that too much i don't i don't really think I don't know. You want to keep doing this podcast next year if they're just starting another rebuild? I don't. That's a legitimate question. Like, I got excited for the the beginning of this rebuild in, like, 2013 because, well, things have been going bad for quite a few years, but although those teams disappointed before, then we had something to rebuild from. This isn't rebuilding anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing happened this entire time. They didn't even get close to the playoffs. It's unbelievable. And meanwhile... Now you got to wonder, like, are they going to have Allmark next year? He's a UFA. Oh, there's so many questions. It's really, it was so not many. a locker room clean-out day. We've had bad ones. This was maybe the worst. <laughs> like, very well might have been the worst. I do want to go back to Reinhardt before. I, I want to get into Adam's comments, but I do think we need to go back to Reinhardt here because you had kind of alluded to it before that in a weird way, now, I'm not saying in terms of, uh, I guess, like overall value, because obviously, like, you want to keep Jack and you want to try and figure this out. But, like, Reinhardt to me is kind of the one that I feel like you can maybe fix something with. I, I think Jack might be too far gone. And, and granted, we don't know, you know, I guess the extent to which of their uh, best friendship, I guess, still is, because that was like such a, a big thing a couple years ago. But now, I don't know about you, but it just, I, I don't see much of that anymore. And, like, the, the team presentation or on social media or really anything like that. I mean, I'm sure they're still friends, but I don't know. But like, to me, I'm wondering, like, I mean, Sam ha- obviously talks to Jack. He's got to know what's going on. And if he sees that the organization is dicking him around, 
I mean, how do you think that feels to him? And he doesn't want to go through a rebuild again. And so the question that Kevin Adams needs to ask himself is if not Rasmus Ristolainen and, and not Sam, if you are trading Jack Eichel, that means that you are full-fledged going into another rebuild. You are going to trade Eichel for hopefully like an A-list blue-chip prospect plus Byfield. other pieces too. Byfield is the, Byfield is the hope. I, I'll get into that because somebody asked us about Twitter on that. We got to remember to go back to that. But like okay. you are doing it to tear it all down. You are essentially not starting from scratch, but like you're blowing things up. And if Jack goes, then they probably all have to go. But with Sam, though, I mean, I feel like that there's maybe you could still fix that somehow. I really, really don't want to trade him with Eichel. I feel like it's pretty much like inevitable that he's going to be gone. But like if you could save things with Sam, that's why I, I feel like in a way it might even be more pivotal to try and like not more pivotal, but to like keep him around is maybe equally as important because of that fact. Because if Jack is like out the door, you need to do whatever you can do to get your two way like defensively responsible, but a very offensively gifted forward who like is a playmaker by trade, but has like a goal scoring touch and is a consistent 20 goal score five out of the six seasons that he's been in the league. He was 10th in, he was 10th in, in goal scoring this season, Reinhardt. Like in again, I mean, this just goes back to Botterill. Like there is not a human being like in the save who has ever been in the Sabres front office, who I think has done more damage than he did to this franchise. The fact that Sam Reinhardt isn't still in the midst of a, a seven year deal or something with four years to go, like irredeemable. That it was just the biggest blunder of maybe even aside from the O'Reilly trade, not signing Reinhardt to a long-term deal out of his entry level contract might be the biggest blunder that this organization has made like personnel wise over the drought. Well, wow. Okay. I was going to say, let's make it a trifecta and um, have one of the non Ristolainen trades that they were offered. I thought if we do Botril only forget every other GM from the drought, Botril only, you can have the two things you mentioned and the failed Ehlers and Roslovich for Ristolainen oh. trade. Christ. Well, that's the trifecta for Botril. Great I mean, job. yeah, that, that that's really bad. Actually, that that is terrible. That that's that one is actually. Ehlers is like, un, I mean, I shouldn't even just say underlyings. Like everyone who watches him likes him, and his point total is good. But his underlyings kind of really amplify the the point that he's probably now the best forward on Winnipeg. He might maybe pass Shifley and uh, Blake Wheeler now that they're getting up there in years. And you could have had him for literally the guy who has brought your team down for eight years. Yep. It's really bad. It's, it's really, it's, really bad. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I I do think that the first of the moves will be Ristolainen. I think that I could see that happening, like maybe even at the draft. Um, Eichel and Reinhardt, I, I wonder if that will bleed into the summer a bit. But when it comes down to it, you know, I mean, how how do you recover from this? How do you come back from this at all? It's you know, You're never going to financially recover from this. Well, yeah, but I, I from Reinhardt's perspective, I think that I'm curious for what he would net. Um, just in that, you know, I don't think that if you're trading him you're more likely to try and maybe add a piece to get a player that's kind of near his caliber. 
Um, rather than Jack, you're going to just be going for like pure young studs. Uh, I, I just, it's so hard to think about though, because it's like, you are now as I think you just kind of said this before you're, you're on the, the precipice of getting rid of this just player who has just tanked your defensive corpse, who you've been giving 25 minutes to a night who has been just terrible for you and 5 million a year. What's that? And five million a year. And five million a year. You're getting that off the books, out of the roster, and then w- without even giving it a chance to see what it would be like with Jack and Sam. I mean, that's, you know, I guess in my mind, the best case scenario that could come from this is that you somehow are able to coax Reinhardt into signing a long term deal, whether it's like maybe like a five year deal or something like that. You get a year out of Eichel and see how it goes because you do have the draft next year that you would be able to trade him at. I, that is very, very risky, but it could be something worth trying. If you get Sam locked up, you let you roll it back with Jack. You make some major moves in the off season here, retool the, like the forward depth a little bit, fill out the rest of the D and get a fucking goalie. And maybe, maybe you could repair this. And the thing that I said on Twitter that I think is maybe the most important part of all of this, hire Bruce Boudreau or Gerard Gallant. You have to do that now. If you, if you, you have your goal to keep Michael at least. If that's what I'm saying. You get somebody in the organization. Like again, Granado, love him. Did a great job at his presser on Wednesday. Um, he he put, you know did great with the team, especially with the young guys and bringing out the best in them. I mean, Sam really excelled under him too, but he's great, but you need somebody who guys are going to be like, wow, they hired him. And that is Boudreaux. You have the winning or Gallant even for that matter too. You have the winning pedigree. You have the star players thriving and excelling under him. You have everything that you would want to get guys to say, you know what? All right, you know what? Let's run this back. And yes, I will buy in. Like that's what you need to do. Establish some credibility because there seriously is none at all in this organization. And, you know, what all we can really hope for at this point is that it, it's so bad to say this, but again, that you just hire somebody that it, it just is Pagula proof that it doesn't matter that they try and, and dip their nose into everything, you know, and to stoke their ego more and more. You just get people who are good in spite of them. And that I think is your best bet is that if you could get Boudreaux in here and really, just change the locker room and just change the way that the team plays and is designed. Maybe you could salvage this, but if not, then, then you're, then you're screwed. You're completely screwed. So what do you want to go into here, Taylor? Do you want to go into some of Adam's remarks today? Or do you want to talk about like trade stuff with Eichel? Uh, go do first. I want to go into a time machine back to 2011 and talk to Tom Golisano about keeping the team. <laughs> Not an answer, but a respectable one, at least. Okay. Yeah. So what did you say again? <laughs> we could either, let's either dive into, we could go Adam's comments from today. Um, and I could kind of outline that a little bit. Cause I know you didn't catch all of it, or we could go Eichel trade scenarios. I mean, maybe we do Adams and then Eichel. Sure. All right. So I have a lot of issues with, with Adams today. It, he was coming into a situation where he was not going to win. It, there, was, there was no situation where he was going to come out of today looking good. 
it was inevitable that he was walking into a, a dumpster fire. He was going to get peppered with questions after the way that Jack had set things up and Sam and Ristolainen and set things up on Monday. Um, and going into it, I was thinking, all right, there's either two scenarios here. He is either going to somehow surprise us all and hit it out of the park and we're going to all be impressed with him or he's going to fail spectacularly. And I felt like he landed a lot closer to failing spectacularly for a few reasons here. I will give him credit in that, yes, he he did do a good job of explaining the Sabres' point of view in, in the whole surgery situation. And in, in understanding the concern, uh, you know, helping fans understand the concerns that they have about him going forward with this. But I didn't walk away feeling confident about anything that he said. Like, for starters, I will just say I get it that it is the job of the GM to stoke the ego of the Pagulas. But my God, you need to read the room that, like, saying, oh, well, the Pagulas have done such a great job, like, blah, 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 blah. It was not the time to do that. I get that. Of any GM in any professional sports organization, that's your job. Like, you're going to have to do that. You got to stoke the ego of your owners. In this situation in particular, there is a time and a place where you just got to know that you are not supposed to do that. And today I felt like was one of those times because what have they done? That leads me into his other comment about saying that you had mentioned before about wanting guys who want to play here. What have you done that has made guys want to buy in? What have you done that has made any player who is a part of this team right now want to stick around and be a part of the solution? Or what have you done to make any player who isn't a part of this team want to be here? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And it's not even a matter of speculating at this point that we know that the Pagulas have their, mainly Terry, have their hands on a lot of the decision-making that goes into the building of this roster and of this team. And it has been the case over the past, pretty much his entire tenure as owner. So for, for Kevin Adams to sit there and say, we want guys who, who want to be a Buffalo Sabre and proudly wear that. What have you done to make people feel proud to put that Jersey on? Nothing, absolutely nothing. You have been miserable, a miserable franchise for 10 years, you are, I would say probably, and this is not just like recency bias or being close to the situation. Like you are in undoubtedly the worst run franchise in professional sports, especially even in the NHL. And mind you, that is a league that features the Sens and the Coyotes and all the blunders that they've had over the past couple of years. But the Sabres are far and away the worst run organization in sports. You haven't been able to make the playoffs in 10 years in a league where half the teams make it in. You have had disgruntled star player after disgruntled star player who you, you botched the last one that you did when you, when you essentially forced the guy out who seemed like he actually still wanted to be here, but he just cared a lot. But because he said something that was, Ooh, maybe a little bit negative, you just traded him for scraps and look where it's gotten you absolutely nowhere. And look what he did. He went and won a fucking Stanley cup and a con smite. And he's a Selkie winner. Like, what do you mean? What have you done that has made anybody give a shit about what you're doing? You're an embarrassment and you have been an embarrassment. And so this, this language about them wanting guys who want to be here, why would anybody want to? You have done nothing to prove yourself as a place where players should want to play. 
What do you have to offer? Yeah, Buffalo is an amazing hockey city. Absolutely amazing. The fans are so passionate. We care so much. We've done over 100 episodes of this goddamn podcast. When we started it, the team hadn't been in the playoffs in eight years, and we still did it anyways and are dedicating our time. There are people who watch night in and night out this team lose and disappoint over and over and over again. And where has it gotten you? Nowhere. You haven't done anything drastic. You haven't tried to follow any of the trends of where the league is going or where like the trends that have brought team success in this league. And, and you don't, nobody owes you a goddamn thing. Like, and so that's why, like I could say, I understand some of the reservations maybe that Kevin Adams has, but, but like for people to criticize Jack and Sam for being frustrated, it's like, they don't owe the Sabres anything. What have they done? They have done a horrible job of trying to surround them with talent and fill out the roster. You are gifted not only with having a premier first-line center in this league, you also have one of the, if not maybe the most highly touted defensive prospect, well, younger defense, but I'll say top three, highest touted defensive prospects in the NHL right now. What did you do to help either of those? What did you do to help Jack? You had Sam already here when he got here and you stuck him on his line, even when you knew that Sam was going to be better without him and it would end up helping your team more without him. But what did you do for Jack? Yeah, you went out and got him Skinner and then you overpaid him. And then after you overpaid him, you didn't even play him with him. The guy who was the reason that he got paid so much. Darlene, you are gifted with the first overall pick when you definitely didn't deserve it. You end up drafting him. What did you do to try and help insulate him and get him accustomed to the league? Nothing. You do nothing to help the guys who are already here. You do nothing to try and attract new players. You were lucky with Taylor Hall, but then he gets here. He forgets how to play hockey. And then he goes to Boston. The minute he gets out the door, he learns how to be a good NHL player again and learns how to score and contribute. It's like you have had mistake after mistake after mistake. And to wrap this up, all I'm trying to say is that rather than them saying, oh, we want guys who want to play here. We want players who, who are proud to put on that sweater. Have a little bit of fucking accountability. Kevin Adams, I don't need to hear you say in the same breath, I understand what the fans have been going through for the past 10 years, and then talk about how people need to be proud to put on this sweater. No, we don't need that. Full-on accountability saying, we have dropped the ball. I have not done my job well enough. My bosses haven't done their job well enough. And the people I employ have not done their job well enough. And we will not take it anymore. I'm done with this like pray, blind praise bullshit and stoking the Pagula's egos because I am just so sick of it. These people have done absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing positive for this fucking franchise at all. Nothing. So what, what do we owe them? Nothing. What do I owe Kevin Adams? Do, nothing. Do I owe this organization the benefit of the doubt? Do any of us? Absolutely fucking not. Because it's just been incompetence and misery for 10 years, and they've settled for it. They have not tried to change things up at all, whether, you know, firing a coach or a GM after a couple of years does not do the job for me. You have done nothing to prove that you actually give a shit and care, because you know what would actually prove that you give a shit and care? Showing that accountability. Terry Pagula getting in front of the camera and saying, we haven't been good enough. Kim Pagula saying... We have not been good enough. We need to be better owners. We need to do a better job. We need to demand more out of ourselves. We need to demand more out of our employees. And we need to demand more out of our players. And they just refuse to.
to do that and just take that full accountability because of their fragile, rich egos. That's all it comes back to. And I'm just so sick and tired of, of having to pretend like this, this whole hockey trope of be proud to put this sweater on. No, make the players want to put the sweater on, not just get guys who are going to, you really think that some dude who's from fucking Finland who maybe plays for the cap, like the caps or like to the Canucks or something that, you know, when trying to entice them after 10 years, like of, of, of not making the playoffs, like, Oh, well, we want guys who are only going to be proud to put the sweater. On. Do you think that that actually is going to resonate with people? Like, yeah, it's a good line, but like good, big air quotes, but like it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. So what are you doing then? You're settling for incompetence. And I'm going to stop now because I know I'm going to, I, I got to put a, uh, an accent somewhere and I'm stopping now. Go Taylor. <laughs> so Kevin Adams isn't an NHL GM. No. Still, it's always been the case. And it'll be the case till further notice until he proves me wrong in some way. Um, but I guess it kind of does lead nicely into the next thing because the old, the first way he can do that, this wouldn't do it by itself, is winning this Jack Eichel trade. It seems like they're going to have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. that'll be huge. And for me, if I'm him, I'm laser focused on Byfield. And I don't think that's unrealistic. I think you could, the Kings could be looking at this, like Jack Eichel's only 24 and Kopitar is still good. Kopitar is good enough that he was, he could, I mean, maybe he's not a one C like he used to be. Maybe he's not like a Selkie candidate like he used to be, but he's really good. He, was, he had an incredible year, and he's probably at the age where he's not going to have many of those left. So maybe you're looking at this and you go, okay, Dowdy's done. Carter, they already traded. Dustin Brown, whatever. But they do have a good young core. And flipping Byfield, who, you know, even though I'm sure they were excited about him as a prospect, you're not sure about him. Just flipping him for Eichel, who's still pretty young and still could kind of be a leader of that young core, that's probably an enticing idea for them. I don't know what else the trade would have to feature on either side, but if those would be the two main pieces. So you look at those as the two main pieces. Hey, that's that's something that I think could get done. I think it would make sense for both sides. Now the Sabres, the reason they went Byfield is he just went second overall. Like and he seems by all accounts to be a really talented guy. That's he's not a sure thing, but he's cl- much closer to a sure thing. I'd say he's a sure thing as an NHL player, not as a star, but he's closer than Usually you would get like I'm not interested in two first round picks from the Kings. Mm-mm. Who gives a shit? Then we screw up first round picks all the time. Two first round picks could be Casey Middlestat and Alex Nylander. Those are two top ten picks. And you could say like, yeah, not everyone's gonna be that bad, but we are the team that drafts those guys. So that's I mean that's what I really want to see. That's that's my main goal. Or if I was him, that would be my main first thought. Is that's who I would try to target. And I I mean you're not gonna win a Jack Eichel trade, but you got to try to get like 80 cents on the dollar. Or maybe you do the, you, the the Lindros Forsberg thing where it's like, oh, it just turns out this guy who was a pretty good prospect ended up being as good as the guy we traded. Right. I think I'm I'm completely with you. Byfield is far and away the number one target that they need. If you are giving up a top 10 player in this league who is your top line center, you need to get an A-plus prospect, center prospect in return. And it, it is a logical you know, match. Like you said before, Kopitar is still playing at a very, very high level, but that's not going to last forever. He's getting up there in age. Dowdy has already been dwindling. The Kings, it makes a lot of sense, I think, in a couple of ways. And and you touched on the one, which is that they have such a good young core. I think outside of Byfield, I mean, 
I don't think that Byfield alone even would get it done. Granted, I may be overthinking this a bit, but again, we're talking about one of the premier young centers in the league. He's 24 years old. He has five years left on his deal. And lucky for the Kings, the Sabres would be able to help out with some of the cap issues that would come into play with taking on $10 million because that's the other side of it is that realistically, if you are dealing with the Kings, if it means that we could get like Byfield, Arthur Kylev, I don't know if Turcotte would be involved, but maybe even like go for like a 2023 first round pick. That is the other key part of it. I'll get into that after. You take maybe like those three pieces as a, as a key starting point. Then you throw in Jonathan Quick and Dustin Brown, and there's your two cap dumps. Brown has been playing at a pretty decent level after having a late career resurgence, and he's only on the books for one more year. So you're only going to have to eat that for another season, and that's fine because, again, if you're trading Eichel, you're not trying to make the playoffs next year. You're just – you're not. Um, so I'm fine with that. Get him in the room, That is, him and Quick. While Quick has been dreadful – you have two guys there who are our leaders, Stanley Cup champions. They've played on the highest stages, both in the Stanley Cup and at the Olympics. Um, and it could be good just to have a couple of fresh, fa- older faces like that in the room to help out with this new young core. But along with those cap dumps, though, yeah, Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kylev, hell, I don't know. I mean, again, it, it, it all depends on what Eichel's perceived value is going to be, but like, Alex Turcotte would be awesome to throw in there too. He, I'm not as high on him as I am on Byfield. I just, obviously, even though Turcotte was a top five pick. And then the other key piece to this all, I think, with the Kings, and it's going to come down to it if they're going to, whatever they end up doing with Ryan, whatever moves that they make, 2023 first round draft picks, just get some lottery tickets because this draft is already shaping up to be as close to the 2015 draft with Eichel and McDavid at the top, as you could probably get. Um, You have two key seemingly centerpieces of franchises waiting for you in that draft. And even if you are trading Eichel to a team that is trying to take that next step to become a contender, it's a lottery ticket. Just go for it. Maybe they miss the playoffs or something like that by, by a very short margin. And then you you get some luck and you end up getting into the top three somehow or something like that. 2023 is where my mind is like laser focused on right now. Next year's draft is definitely going to be better seemingly than the one that we have coming up. Um, Shane Wright seems like he's going to be kind of like the top prospect coming there. Uh, I think also Brad Lambert is another guy who's from Finland who has, has had some pretty, uh, high marks early on, you know, as we're a year out from that draft, but, um, 2023, that's, that's where my mind's at in terms of accumulating draft picks. I could care less about this year, even though probably that's the more realistic scenario where you're going to get that, uh, get a first round pick would be this year as compared to in the future. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Kings are a logical, I think fit. I think the ducks though. Yeah. They're another team that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, am really high on Trevor Zegris. I don't know if they'd be willing to move him at all, but I mean, again, it's, it's kind of a similar thing to the Kings a little bit different because like the ducks older core is like Ryan Getzlev is not playing for the level that Anze Kopitar is playing at right now. So that might be a little bit of a tougher sell if the ducks are just fully committed to this rebuild and just building around Zegris and Drysdale. But they're another team that makes sense where they have some good young talent and they have somebody who I would, definitely be into in terms of like a centerpiece for for the deal see that's the thing where they went wrong with ror is that tage thompson was 
kind of like the prize that they got from him. Like that was the prospect that you focused on with Eichel. You need to have one superstar stud prod uh, prospect in mind. And that needs to be what you go for. You cannot settle to have this sort of, um, you know, mixed bag, like how they did with the O'Reilly trade where it's like, all right, well, we'll get a, a like a B prospect who seems pretty good. And then some vet. No, cannot be it. You need to have a blue chip guy. That That is the only possible thing that I, I could even convince myself to be like, okay, maybe this won't be too bad. I've seen some people throw out like the Minnesota wild as an example of a team too, who might work. Cause I mean, they have a couple of good young pieces and Marco Rossi and Matthew Boldy. Um, again, I don't, I mean, they have other pieces too, but I don't know if I, I, I'd really want to do that. I, I just think it all comes back to Byfield. Like he is the one and the Rangers, I know that they're going to be the one that's going to be constantly connected, but I would say, you know, they really don't have much that I care about. I don't want Capo Caco, um, not at least in this return. I know Lafreniere, I think he's going to end up panning out and playing well, uh, being a good player. But like, to me, if the, if the Rangers come calling, it's like, all right, cool. So Lafreniere and Adam Fox and uh, what else you got then? Because I'm not yeah. just settle for, for Lafreniere. He's unproven. I mean, it's like, all right, you want to play hardball? You want to get a top line center? Cool. Give us your number one defenseman then. It's funny because I just said I would do Byfield for Eichel as like the two main ones. I would not do that for Lafreniere. And La- he's played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I haven't been super impressed. We played him nine times this year. I didn't. I didn't love his game. Eight times, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how math works. Um, but yeah, I I did like. Uh, I just I've thought about this a lot. There are very few trades that actually make sense for both sides for Eichel, and the Rangers one really doesn't. No, I don't know if it makes sense really for either side. I think it makes sense for the Rangers to try and do because they don't have a true number one center, but. I, yeah, but like, what trade makes sense for them though? Some bullshit, some bullshit where we get screwed makes sense. Yeah, for them. well, that's the thing. I think the key thing that we have to keep in mind here is like, yeah, obviously we have to temper expectations because it's the Sabers and they aren't exactly known for hitting it out of the park with, with trade deadline move or trade deadline, just general trades. But what I'm kind of just keep going back to with this is like, if you're acquiring Jack Eichel that's going to need to sting. Like it's going to need to hurt you a bit. Like whoever, whatever team it is, you're not going to be able to like, you know, like the Kings, for example, to, like I don't see a scenario where you could try and make a trade with them. And it's not Quentin Byfield coming back. I know like they have Gabe Velarde, they have uh, Sam Fajemo or however the hell you pronounce his last name. Um, I'm trying to think they, I, I, they have other, Akil Thomas is another guy. Like they have some guys on the roster, but I'm you, you just can't settle. You can't do it. Um, Arizona is actually another team that I've seen people mention as a potential for Jack with like Clayton Keller potentially being a centerpiece along with some of their other younger pieces. But even then I don't really yes. know. Yeah, no, definitely not. It's just not the with prospects is that no prospect person ever wants to hear is that they mostly end up sucking. Yeah. Like as a rule mm-hmm. or being mediocre. So like someone that I have pretty good faith won't be is good, but also you want someone to be young. And a team probably isn't want to give up too many proven guys because if they're getting Eichel, they're probably trying to win now. So it's uh, these 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 trades with guys like him. It's why teams always lose them because it's hard to find a trade that makes sense. Absolutely. I don't really even want to do this, honestly. I don't. Uh... All right, why don't we wrap up then, Taylor? You can get back on <laughs> your vacation. Yeah, but I do this. I meant life. I don't really feel like it oh, anymore. Fair. 
I don't really right. want to do. I don't. Do you want to trade Eichel? Like, really? Do you want to trade him? Do you want to? No, you want of to course, I don't want to trade him. I would fucking waste. No, it's I would not- much. I would much rather work this out and not have to worry about it. And he's able to play the rest of his career. It's what we talked about a couple episodes ago, where it's like, can we just please have like some good players who play their entire fucking careers here, please? Or more than like six years. Right. God damn. Oh, can't win. Well, hey, we have Gergensen's and Arista Lion. Thank God. You know, and it's, it's so goddamn annoying. There's so many people that on Twitter have been like, you know, you got to face reality. He's not going to be a, a saber anymore. It's like, I don't absolutely don't have to face reality. It's May. You face reality. I'll face reality when it comes. He's not going to be gone until he's gone, but I will say I am bracing for it. I'm I'm resigned to it now. Yeah, I mean, it's happening. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a failure. And the, the report that came out that Terry Pagula basically was like he didn't know anything about the, the medical issue and all that stuff. It's like that's just that's, he's the worst kind of boss because he's the kind of guy he doesn't have a, a goddamn clue what's going on ever. We've all had this boss before. Doesn't know how shit works. None of it. It's a miracle they're even the boss. And then he comes in and he makes some big sweeping stupid gesture like, oh, we can't trade Ristolainen or we got to sign Gergensen's. Dumb shit like that. Or oh, we got to trade Riley. So there's been reports that Terry Pagula didn't know about the rift between Eichel and management before Monday. And he basically wants to mend it and get it figured out. Um, I'm sure he... Uh, has some solid medical advice to dole out. Good for him. But there's just proof, more proof that he, he's the worst kind of boss. And we've all had this kind of boss before. The guy that doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Doesn't know anything about how the way that his company works or whatever. But just stumbles in and makes demands that make no goddamn sense every once in a while. This is a good one. Or, uh, well, we got we can't trade Ristolainen. We better re-sign Gergensen's. Get Larson out of here. Mm-hmm. All the dumb shit they've done. <laughs> um, all of it. And he doesn't seem to actually know what's going on. What makes it even worse. Being a hands-on owner when you don't know what you're doing is bad. It's even worse when you don't even try to pay attention. You just hang out in Florida and, you know, do NFL stuff because your NFL team is good. Are you planning to meet up with him while you're down there? Yeah, I'm going to beat his ass. (laughs) That's that's my opinion. There we go. By that, I mean parody. We're going to have a long discussion about oil futures. <laughs> I think he needs to diversify again, but you know, not just starting a bunch of stupid businesses he can't run. Yeah, smart, smart, sound advice. But then, isn't that even like more of like a, an indictment though? You're the owner of the team and you did not know that there is a serious medical issue between your star player and the in management, which you are. Yep. So to me, it just seems like that's just kind of like a cop out for him to be like, "Oh, I I had no idea." Like he, they probably leaked that themselves that he didn't know, and so I guarantee he probably did know, but he wanted to save his ass and not have people come like the heat coming down on him. And rather than him coming out and saying something directly himself, he sends out his whipping boy Kevin Adams to to go clean up the, his own mess. Yep. Good for Kevin Adams, though. You know, it's an honest living. Is it? No. <laughs> Job though. It, it it is certainly a form of employment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the football team, their schedule got released today. Are you excited? I am. Yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Are you gonna try and go to the home opener? I think so. Yeah, probably. And it looks like we have we're gonna have about uh, at least four, but maybe five uh, night games. Yeah, that's pretty. Nice. Only one at home though, right? Yeah, New England's at home. However, Thanksgiving is clutch, though. Yeah, there are some late 
season games that can be flexed. So week 18 versus uh, the Jets. That won't be flexed tonight, though, probably. Well, we'll see. Who knows? It's a whole new season. It could, exactly. yeah. Maybe they'll win four games. They're 17 games now, so. Mm-hmm. What I really want is to watch them lay a beat down on Mac Jones on Monday Night Football in person. That'd be really cool. Make him cry again. Oh, that'd be so yeah. sick. Fun stuff. Are you excited about it? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be summer soon, so try to do some summer stuff. I saw the Yankees win last night against our, the hated Tampa Bay Rays. Mm. That was cool. Very nice. Well, good. I'm glad. I know you're, the videos you and your brother were, were sharing looked pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good time. I suppose it's baseball season now, isn't it? I guess. I mean, well, no, it's not baseball season until hockey and basketball playoffs end. Sorry to all of our baseball players or baseball lovers out there. No, I think it's baseball season. Bulls didn't make the playoffs. The Bulls didn't make the 20 team playoffs the year after the Sabres didn't make the 2014 playoffs. Spring sports are dead. I'm not watching the Stanley Cup in July. Go Yankees. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Well, as a little tease, though, we have a pretty fun episode coming up on uh, on Monday. Do we, though? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, because we're really not talking about the Sabres that much. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be cool. We have a couple of uh, of... of Pals of the show, very special guests that we're excited to welcome back yeah, it's on. It's Terry and Kim Pagula. It is, actually, yeah. yeah. It's going to be awkward. We are hooking them up uh, to lie detector tests and are going to ask them questions about everything ranging from the mismanagement of the hockey teams to their personal lives. Should be pretty exciting. Yeah. All the way down to their love life. Oh, yeah. Don't skip oh, yeah. the details. Look at uh, Terry. You, you mean you... <laughs> Jeez, anytime Terry opens his mouth, I mean, come on, what woman wouldn't want that? I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Him and his storied love life of probably just Kim. <laughs> oh, he's married. Was he married before? He's two kids from his first marriage. Him and his storied love life of Kim and his ex-wife, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Maybe he had a, a girlfriend named Sue Sue Ann uh, down in Colesville when he's in high school, but she broke up with him for a Portville guy, and he thought he was the most unfairly treated guy since Roger Maris, which I thought <laughs> pretty insensitive. Oh man, we love Roger Maris on the pod. It's a Sabres pod. You gotta love Roger Maris. <laughs> says so. Is, is that so? You remember that quote? No, what? Roger Maris is the most unfairly treated baseball player of all time. Terry Pagula said that? Yep. Shut up. Why? Because people were mean to him when he broke the home run record. I mean, yeah, but... uh, Oh, man. Terry yeah, I know what you're going to say. He probably watched the movie 61 and was like, oh, they, they, they treated him like this? Like, Terry, <laughs> we're talking about baseball, my man. Read the room. Who, who do you think could have been treated worse than Roger Maris? And it, does anybody come to mind by chance? He never saw the movie 42. Uncultured swine. Yeah. R.I.P. Chadwick. Mm-mm-mm. Sad. 
I cannot believe that Terry said that. I'm about to go look that up right after this. That just made me so irrationally mad. He did an interview with Tim Graham about baseball cards because, you know, it's like every 60-something-year-old former nerd, he collected baseball cards. Good Lord. Uh, This seems like a good but bad spot to end the episode do you have any any last thoughts that you'd like to share well it is kind of funny i didn't really put this together but i always thought it was ridiculous that reporters should be like come on roger you're not gonna break the babe's record are you and he's like i don't don't know it's it's always a very weird thing to me and then marlo broke the games played record gordy house record like last month then rosie Demano of i don't know one of those weird canadian papers was like some guy who wrote for the paper I have, who I've never heard of, his name's probably like Milt or something, wrote 11,000 columns. I would never do that. I'll never get there. But if I got to 10,999, I would stop. There's a lot to like about Patrick Marlowe, but not this. Respect. And it just ended with a random respect. Respect what, you fucking moron? What a... What a He's just supposed to retire because some other guy a million years ago played that many games? I, I, I hate these people. Rosie DeMano is definitely the craziest one because Steve Simmons has bad takes. He's also one of the Toronto papers I'm never going to remember. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a billion Canadian guys that are annoying because they're so Leaf Homerish. Like I feel like we've given, I consider them a different class. We've given him several shout outs on the show, Steve Simmons. Steve Simmons, I will never learn where you work. Complete jackass. Yeah, it is not my problem. There's guys like Bruce Arthur and Myrtle who are definitely in the bag for the Leafs, and they're like, I didn't even grow up a Leafs fan. He became one. Uh, and I consider that different. That's just like a, a part of being a Southern Ontario sports writer. But the guys like, especially, I mean, Simmons is the, the bad take king. Like Damian Cox is also up there for weird and occasionally horny takes. But Steve Simmons is uh, a racist. He's an idiot. He's super aggressive. And he, he on top of that, has like the old man column tendencies. Now, D- DeMano is Reminds just... Reminds me of somebody we know here in Buffalo. Yeah, Simmons is worse. You think he's worse than Harrington? Yeah, oh, by 10 fucking miles. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Simmons, Simmons is an a, a asshole. Before that sentence even came out of my mouth, or that question even came out of my mouth, I was like, this is already, I, I know I'm wrong in this. I don't know if there's anyone in America that's as bad as Simmons. And then, I mean, Rosie DeMano is, she, her takes are legitimately insane. I, I, I read every once in a while people will tweet out something she wrote, and I'm like, oh my God, this lady's still kicking, huh? And I'll just read it. It's stunning. I mean, it's kind of good in that way. It's better than being bored by writing, but it's like, right. Man, what a, what a beautiful mind that woman has. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe, retire right now in the middle of the season so you don't break Gordie Howe's record because Gordie Howe died. Who had the record before Gordie Howe? Does anyone care? <laughs> Probably not. Not like mm-hmm. that. It's wild. It's pretty crazy Chris Chelios didn't have the record. Yeah, he played forever. What, he was like 42 or 43 when he retired? He's 48. Come on. Yeah. When he was the Thrashers. He was 48. I thought at most well, it would have been like 45. Buddy, I'm going to read this to you. I don't I don't disagree. I'm I'm just shocked more than I am questioning you. Yeah, I mean, the thing is Marlowe never missed games. I'm guessing that's why he didn't. Chelios' career is stunning because he didn't come in when he was 18 like Marlowe did. Mm. He, I don't know if he, he got drafted in the second round. So, oh, he played at Wisconsin. He played four years at Wisconsin. Wow. And then, so he got drafted in 81. So I guess he got drafted while he was at Wisconsin. He got drafted while he was 19. He came up in the 83-84 season. 
and played seven seasons in Montreal and then went to Chicago and played eight and a half seasons in Chicago and then got traded to Detroit midseason and he played ten and a half seasons in Detroit. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then he played a season in Atlanta where he only played seven games. Four so how many total is that? He played seasons? Yeah. Or how oh. many games actually did he play? He played 25 seasons, and he played 1,651 games. The thing is, he actually did get injured sometimes, which is the oh, difference between okay. him and Marlowe. Like, his first year, he only played 12 games. So when he was, by the time he was 23, he'd only played 12 games. Marlowe had probably played three or 400. Mm-hmm. So that makes a difference. Season where he only played 41, 53, 48. That's a strike season or lockout. And his last two seasons, he only played a combined 35 games. So shit happens. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a career. Yeah. Chris Chelios, the random Sabres player of the episode. That's mine too. Perfect. Do you have any recommendations for the people? Yeah, I just uh, on the plane here, I watched Game Night, and Jesse Plemons is unbelievable in it. Very good comedy. I mean, it's a fine comedy. Jesse Plemons really makes it with his performance. Hmm. Very cool. My recommendation is everybody become a fan of the Seattle Kraken. Anybody listening to this? Stop watching hockey. Just stop. Don't do it to yourself. We don't deserve this. Like the Michael Jordan thing. Stop. Get help. That's that's the general vibe. All things Sabres. Just stop. Please. Yeah. For all of us. Well, any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor? Uh, Nope. Is Chris Chelios your random Sabres player of the episode? Yeah, he played against the Sabres, so does that count? I don't think technically by the rules. No, let's see. Uh, My random Sabres player of the episode. Wow. Jack Eichel. Yeah, no. (laughs) That's tough. Uh, JP Dumont for mine today. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Taylor Pyatt. Ooh, love that. Have you done him before? I don't think so. I've done Chris Taylor. Okay, okay. You and the Taylors, you know, the Taylor Coalition. That's right. All right, everybody. Well, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres. As we said, make sure you are staying tuned for our Monday episode. We don't want to give it away quite yet, but it's going to be very cool. Two guests are going to be joining us, and it is going to be expansion draft themed, as a matter of fact. So make sure you're sticking around and checking it out. The best way to do that and to keep us in mind is making sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Straight Up Sabres. On Twitter, we're at Straight Sabres. And make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast on your streaming platform of choice. This show has been brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. So make sure you're checking out both the Hockey Podcast Network for all of the great NHL content as we are approaching the playoffs and Buffalo Fanatics for all the Bills content that your heart desires. As Taylor had said before, the schedule is now out so we can get to deciding what the, what the Bills record is going to be this year. So very exciting things lie ahead for them. And this episode is also brought to you by DraftKings. As we had said at the top of this episode in our intro uh DraftKings, make sure you're using our Hockey Podcast Network code THPN, and it gets you a bunch of great deals uh, if you are into betting or if you want to get into betting. Hit up DraftKings, use our code THPN. Again, we will be back with a new episode on Monday. Hopefully, this nightmare gets a little bit better by then, but by this point, we should all know it only is going to get worse. This has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres, everybody. 